0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of No Reserve, Haggerty's podcast about the enthusiast car market. We're here to help you make sense of the market, whether you're buying, selling, or just watching. Now, it's another week of deals. We highlight a Mercedes wagon that was bought for Toyota to sell money, a vintage air cooled 911 for less than 50 grand which is almost unheard of by the way and a way to get a Shelby cobra experience for a tenth of the price of the original i'm larry webster editor of haggerty media and i'm joined by dave kinney the publisher of the haggerty price guide between us we've got decades of experience buying selling and driving the cars we love plus we just don't guess at the values we're backed by the data of the haggerty valuation tools okay let's get into it all right dave um I'm sorry you're not feeling well. It sounds like you got a little bit of a cold. What's going on?
1: Don't know for sure. Um, I'm going to see if it's a uh, flu or something like that. But you've been out
0: traveling, looking at cars, talking to people. It's just kind of a fact of life, huh?
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's what happens.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry to hear about it. But, um, you know, you wrote a really great article, very thought-provoking article that I wanted to talk about. And it was a... It's one of these jobs that you've never done. And the title was how to and in try to protect against a car restoration ripoff. And um, it's a huge topic. You must have seen some really ugly things in your career.
1: <laughs> yeah, I certainly <laughs> have. I've seen some some wild, uh, wild like, things what? that happened in restoration or didn't happen in restoration. And it's it's always it's always a shame because nobody wins. Um, a lot of the time,
0: Dave, I don't mean to interrupt, but there are like, there are TV shows, you know, those like restoration shops where somebody brings in a car restored by somebody else. And I don't know how, you know, made up it is, but then they look at it and they're like, Oh yeah, they just sprayed over all the Bondo and, you know, make the other shops seem like just a spit and shine and they charge real restoration dollars. But I guess you're saying that happens.
1: Yeah, unfortunately it does. A lot of times people get in over their head when they're uh, restoring a car. You know, I used an example of a shop that does like MGs and Triumphs and they try and tackle a Mercedes 600, one of the most complicated cars from the 1960s and 70s. So, yeah. you know, that sort of thing can happen. I think that, you know, the, the, the takeaway is... Well, the number one takeaway, don't do a restoration unless you're ready for it. It's a it's a full-time affair. It's just like having your house rebuilt or doing an addition on a house. It's very very dangerous time for the uh, for the car. I like to I like to say that when the car's all taken apart and it's ready to go back together very very slowly. It's like when your car is having open heart surgery. I mean, you have to make a bunch of decisions about what's going to go on. You have to be in tune with what the restorer thinks that should be done. You need to kind of work to that level. I have literally seen people who took their car to Mako. I made a point about that, that not that there's anything wrong with Mako, but they've taken their car to Mako. Yeah. They put a new set of bathroom carpets in because they were, you know, black bathroom carpets, and they think their car is restored. So there's so many different levels of restoration. I mean, from the oh uh, oh, oh yeah. yeah, from the show and shine restoration to the Pebble Beach style restoration, and so that's where a lot of the what well, a lot of the problems happen as well.
0: So okay, so if you you know. Okay can I just use myself I'm going to because it's always about me Dave you, we know this Oh uh,
1: yeah 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 I know the, okay. the, the, the earth and you know <laughs> circling and all that sort of I'm stuff I'm glad
0: you're you're finally coming around to this Dave good for you Um you know I just bought a, a 90 Miata and it's 35,000 miles it's in great shape but it's silver and the silver cars uh they had problems with the paint from the factory right They're chips I know I have a paint job ahead of me So when I get this car stripped and painted that's not really a restoration uh, compared to what you're talking about, or is it?
1: No, that's a paint job. And ah. I think a lot of people, you know, they, they just don't understand what goes into restoration. And, you know, and there is no easy answer here because for one guy, the restoration is a paint job. For, you know, a number of people and increasingly large number of people, it means a complete teardown. Everything that needs to be CAD plated needs to be CAD plated. Everything that needs to be chrome plated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then down the line and everything has to be new looking or perfect. And that, you know, that never costs, well, today never costs less than $100,000, you know, depending on the type of car. Wow. uh, You know, including parts. Now, you have an advantage if you have your own parts. But uh, and you also have an advantage if you can do some of the work yourself. I mean, a lot of it's just hours upon hours. You've done paint stripping before. Um, There are very few things that are more, I guess, zen relaxing. uh, (laughs) If you were if you're into it or horrible (laughs) than stripping paint.
0: Yeah. Okay. that's super interesting. So, okay, let's take our, uh, you know, again, me, for example, my uh, Ferrari Dino, Uh, you know, I took it, you know, it's. It was in pieces in one, at one point. I, the body was not off the frame. So it, when we talk about degrees, this is not what you're talking about. When you say full restoration, you mean you take it down. Anything that can be disassembled is disassembled, right?
1: Yeah, all the way down to component parts. Now, some people kind of stop at the component parts. They're not going to rebuild... The windshield wiper motor, but, you know, the old while I'm in there, I might as well do it uh, comes into play. Right. So a lot of people just just go all the way and get everything done. And it's a very, very long and very tedious uh, operation made better by a fact the shop that knows what they're doing and also has the skills. And is willing to outsource things that they don't know how to do. And a lot of times I think that's where people get in trouble. They have somebody who says, hey, I got a guy and he can do this. And as a matter of fact, he can do an OK job on it, but he doesn't do a super job on it.
0: How do you, you now? So what happens, I think, is it's really hard to estimate the cost. Like you said, you never know. You know, you get in there, you find rust. And so whatever estimate you get is is kind of worthless. So now a lot of shops are on T&E or time and material. And, you know, they're charging 100 bucks an hour. How do you know you're getting an hour's worth of work or, or, or worthy hour, $100, right?
1: Well, so, I always say, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, no, no. You know this better. I'm just sort of sitting there no, like, No, wow. I
1: always say go to the shop yourself. Okay. And yeah. if you can't go to the shop, hire somebody who knows cars and pay them. I mean, you know, it's, it's going to be cheap money if you pay them. Hey, listen, you know, go down to the shop. Uh, it's, uh, you know, 20 minutes away from you. I'll give you a hundred bucks every time you go down in 10 weeks, uh, you know, and maybe every other week or something like that. That's still not a lot of money compared with what you're going to spend. It's a, you know, that'd be a grand for, uh, you know, for a third of the year or something like that. And, uh, and make sure that everybody's on the same page. And a lot of the times people aren't on the same page and a lot of times egos get involved. And that's always a problem because, you know, you never know who's going to be the, the winner of the ego battle. The guy who's writing the checks or the guys who's doing, the, or the guys who are doing the work. So there's, you know, it is fraught with problems. There are plenty of restorations that come out just fine. And and the understanding was reached and everything's okay. But, a lot of the times, the, uh, you know, the full-on restorations, uh, even when they're done and they win prizes when they're done, someone's going to be unhappy.
0: I'll tell you, it, the process is fascinating. Having not done it that often, what what the one thing I don't understand, Dave, you take somebody who's been doing this 20, 30 years, they own a shop, whatever it is, and you go to them, you say, look, I need this work done. And maybe you're not getting the full restoration. Let's say a common thing is a paint job or an interior work, whatever. And then... You say, hey, look, just give me an idea when you're going to work on it. I'm not saying I need it done tomorrow. Let's just be realistic. And they'll say, okay, because this happened to me. "Uh, End of June, it'll be done. Okay, awesome. Great. You drop it off in March, you get it, end of June. And then I guess life happens. Here we are, October, still not done. And you're just sort of like, you know, what do you do? You're powerless.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you are. And especially if the car is already taken apart, there's not a lot you can do. Yeah, wow. that's uh, that's part of the problem. I mean, there are a whole bunch of people out there who just will not, you know, full stop, get involved in a restoration. They, they'll buy a car. Yeah. Actually, I think maybe the smartest way to buy a car is a car that was restored to number one condition that has been driven down to a number two. You know, when you're through with restorations, there's always one more thing that needs to be done. And sometimes that one more thing is 10 more things. And that's why, like on a house, they have what's called a punch list. They go through things because, you know, the electrician did a great job, but he forgot one of the circuits and I mean, one of the, you know, one of the plugs and it's not hooked up to the correct circuit. You know, all that sort of stuff happens in automobiles, too. So, you know, you get in the car, everything's fine. You're having a wonderful time. It starts raining <laughs> on your way back from a car show and the windshield wipers don't work because they were sure. never, never attached correctly. You know, that sort of thing's bound to happen.
0: And then I've also found we're in a we're in a mode or a time in where there's a uh, uh, imbalance, right? There's more work out there than there's people to do the work absolutely so you i mean i'm i'm trying to be realistic for folks you know okay what can you really expect like to to say you're going to march into the shop with your punch list and your timeline and this is what's going to happen they're going to laugh you out the door i mean with my car i'm like i know people and and they would say yeah we're scheduling like to 2025 for paint jobs i was like w- what so y- you're in a bit of a pickle so to your point you really have to want to restore something <laughs> To take it on, I think, at this point, it's it's it, we're in a little bad spot for the number of craftsmen out there.
1: Yeah, we are. And, uh, you know, that's where you know, I'm going to get on my soapbox here. That's why, uh, uh, you know, get kids interested in cars. That's right. why McPherson College and their restoration program is so important to so many of us. And the other thing is, that's why you got to get out and get under and, you know, in in 2023 terms, Look at those YouTube videos because a lot of that stuff you can do yourself. I mean, everyone I know has a story about either on their own driver car or a uh, you know collector car where they thought, oh, I'm way in over my head. What am I going to do? They spend an hour and a half looking through YouTube videos and there's the answer right there. So, I mean, you know, that's not not necessarily going to lead to the very best result, but it'll lead to a working result most of the time.
0: Well, I think it's um if I could just tell one more story there was a there's a there's a trim guy here in Ann Arbor and I've used him before for uh I have a 69 911 and he did not a full restoration he instir- installed some carpet he rebuilt the seats but he kept the original fabric and this guy's been in business for 40 years was is really really talented I mean he could take things like you know you put in the new door seals for example and they still whistle and he knew all the little tricks with his heat gun and he bends the seals and whatever he does, but car doesn't whistle anymore. A big deal, right? Sure. So those sorts of craftsmen are not common. So I was using him for that Ferrari project again, and the car was sitting in his shop. You know, we talked about it. Um, and I paid him up front. Now, Dave, you're going to say, Oh no, you're an idiot. Okay. You go ahead. Tell me I'm an
1: idiot. You're you're an idiot. (laughs)
0: Still hurts yeah, anyway. No, um, I know. Um, I paid him five grand, and um, you know, he he did do a lot of work. He's dissemb- disassembled anything, he cleaned a lot of stuff. Was it five grand of work? I don't know, but then I just started getting weird text messages, and what I figured out was other people were bitching at him. And he, you know, he would just sort of explode. He'd be like, I'm not in this. I'm not getting rich. And if you guys don't want to support me, screw you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I paid you up front. And, you know, it got down the line where I said, okay, I'm going to come get my stuff tomorrow. And then he walks it back. And I said, well, I, Bruce, I still want you to do it. But I am not. I'll pay you after the work is done, not before. Right. And then we just said, come get your stuff. And I come got my stuff. So yep. you got to be willing to walk away, too. Absolutely. So any other tips? I That was a great piece. It's on insider.haggerty.com where there's a lot of uh, info. Um, anything else, Dave, that you'd like to add?
1: Well, it's like, uh, you know, it's like having a new family member sometimes. So you got to get <laughs> used to the people involved. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. I had a, yeah, I had a failed restoration myself. Everyone oh, has. Oh, God, I'm feeling better as we go. Thank you. There you go. There you go. And I did something kind of odd. I uh, actually got in touch with the guy and I said, hey, listen, this is not working out. Let's have a meeting. I came up. Uh, he owed me money. There was money that was uh, uh, you know, paid the, for stuff that wasn't done. And uh, I said, you know what? I know you're having a hard time. Here's a check for two grand. Give me my car back. Everything's fine. Well, uh-huh. you know, I could have paid that two grand to an attorney. Yeah. And paid much, much more. And to me, it was just like, let's leave his friends. And so we did. Yeah. And uh, damn this, the guy doesn't find stuff for me on eBay all the time for stuff that I need. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, happy ending in some ways, most ways, actually. So all good. Well,
0: I I think that's, you know, I've written about this in as I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this Ferrari restoration, how hard it is. And, you know, I had a painter die in the middle of it, you know, and I had already paid him money wasn't a lot. It was like three grand. Did I get three grand to work? I don't know. Was I going to go out to the family for it? Heck no. Another painter, I, I. the week before I was dropping the car off, his shop burned down. Oh, geez. And I trusted the guy. And I did the same thing. I was like, I gave him three grand because he needed to buy tools. I was like, okay, here you go. And fully aware, I just may be burning that money. But I think with these restorations, there is a lot of excess you know either not just in what I was just describing but also you know a lot of times you end up buying some parts you don't need stuff like that but it is an imprecise process
1: yeah it is absolutely yeah. so
0: i totally get it well uh why don't we move on and thank you again for doing that your insight is helpful for all of us i guess we've all been there it is fun to restore a car it's exciting but there's a lot of headaches to it too so we're going to move to our opening bid segment and the first car that you're here to talk about um i think i know why i'm kind of holding my breath because I own one of these cars. Can you describe it for the audience?
1: We're talking about a 1974 2.7 Porsche 911 Coupe. Uh, sold last weekend at Bonhams at the Audrain auction, uh, the Audrain Concours auction. And it sold for a very reasonable $39,200. Now, Haggerty Price Guide's number three is 45000 and this car, was, arguably, was a number three. But the thing to keep in mind is a number one is eighty-six thousand. Now it's a long way from eighty-six, but nice colors, decent car, and pretty good money. Because what season is this now, right now, Larry? Dave, you told me. I mean, I wrote about it in the Never Stop Driving newsletter. It's buying season. It's absolutely buying season. Everybody should be getting out and buying if you're in the market. Yeah. I think that's a great buy. I mean, you walk away from an auction with a '74 911 for under forty grand.
0: Okay, okay, okay. Can can I just comment on this a little bit? Absolutely. '74. I have a '69 911. It's a two-liter, long hood. I have I I have way more, way way more money in that thing than this thing, and it's still not perfect. A couple of things about this '74 that jumped out because I saw the price and I was like, same thing to you. Wow, that's a pretty good deal. However. This is a weird year. Oh, yeah. It has a short hood, kind of a weird surrounds. This car also, I don't know if it's a number three because there are several rust bubbles in the paint. So that's where I was like, oh, I see. This thing's pretty worn out. It has a lot of warts to it. So maybe this isn't so bad.
1: You know what I mean? My point on this was that last year when everything was Porsche-omania, and yeah. if it, if it had the P word in front of it, this car probably would have brought 10 grand more. So what I'm, oh, yeah. what I'm trying to say is, is these things are getting more reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a gem of a car, you know, for somebody who had to have a Porsche in the worst way, this is a great starter, 911. Sure. Um, You know, you can, you can spend a lot more on a 944 or a 928 and this gets you a 911. If that's what your goal is, there you are. That's why I put yeah. it in.
0: ICC, yeah. The upside is you got a a big displacement motor. Right. You can. uh, There's lots of ways to modify this to get rid of the weird 70s emission controls. And uh, it is a very perfect color for that era. Yeah. uh, It will be a very reliable... It's sort of these cars that they feel vintage-y, but then they kind of perform modern because they have five-speed gearboxes and they don't shake and rattle like a Trans Am of the era. So, uh, yeah, for 40 grand, this is quite a compelling vintage car. I agree. So, I guess... I can breathe a sigh of relief that the bottom hasn't totally fallen out of the Porsche market.
1: No, you're fine for now. Just don't take <laughs> it to a shop and give them 15000 15,000 to paint it and leave, okay?
0: <laughs> Man, if you can get a full paint job for 15 grand, that's good. That's uh, great. no. You're doing well. You can't. No. It's you know. 20
1: it's 25 up. It's 20, yeah, 20 up, 25 up, depending. Yeah. yeah, totally.
0: Okay, great one. Uh, the next one. <laughs> is is another weird one and um it's sold on cars and bids it's a 1998 Mercedes-Benz E320 4matic wagon four-wheel drive wagon it has the third row seat uh this was that big styling departure for Benz you know a little bit of warts on this one a lot of miles but it sold for 6 grand I mean, I think I know what you're going to say, but tell us why you like this one.
1: Parts car price. I mean, if you needed it, you you would you would pay this for um, you know yeah. for a rear clip or something like that easily. Um, our number four at the price guide gives it twelve grand, so it's half price basically of what our mm. uh, number four is. And I'm not going to argue you if you say it's less than a four, but I don't think it is. I think it's kind of a straight on four, maybe a little bit a hair on the four. But that's it. But uh, 6,100 bucks for a Benz wagon. I mean, you know, you could be like a New Jersey senator's wife and, you know, text her, text her husband and say, you know, we have a Benz, you know, so. Uh,
0: I mean, this generation is it's it's not my favorite is the, is the generation before this. You know, they had that real chiseled body, but yep. these have aged pretty well. Yeah, and they, have. they still have that like Mercedes. A very solid feel. It has a really cool short dash. I mean, they go down the road just brilliantly. I mean, I think my my red flags for a car like this are sort of some of the things I described. It's the rubber parts. Like, are all the door seals still sealing? Are the window seals still um, doing their job? Or is there a lot of whistling and other stuff that would really detract from what this car does. I think those are the only risks, but otherwise, I agree. It's an incredible car for you know. It.
1: Hey, look to haul the dog, you know, around to get some lumber, you know, or they're not going to fit a full sheet of lumber in the back, but to get some stuff at the Home Depot, you know, whatever, uh, all that sort of stuff. This is the perfect, uh, the perfect hauler for that. You can uh, look; it's a Benz, so uh, you know you can impress the neighbors while you go.
0: Uh, no, I, 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 I mean. There's so many cars like it's it's shocking to me what's happening or what's in, like four months ago. We're looking at cars and I'd be like, oh, yeah, OK, that's expensive. yeah I couldn't have bought that now. I'm like, how did I miss that? Wow.
1: Plus, something. it's all wheel drive. So, I mean, you yeah. know, uh, you know, those in Ann Arbor who need it, what, 18 months a year. Um, <laughs> just kidding. It's only oh, eight months a year. He's
0: sick. He's still got to get his jabs in. Uh, the next one uh, <laughs> we looked at the, um, you know, we talked about this in the last episode. This was this RX-8 that I was going to watch. We yep. thought it may end up being a deal because it was offered without reserve. There were 20,000 views, so tons of people saw it. But the price only got up to 9897 so it sold. This I think this was an unbelievable bargain.
1: 989750 so might have been a little <laughs> rip off there cuz they paid the 50 cents more just kidding no i think that was a great bargain for an rx8 uh, yeah. you know i don't know if maybe you and i are the two people who love rx8s collectively i, uh, I know there's other people out there but yeah. uh, i think these cars are going to be increasingly important as time goes by yeah, I thought it was great you want... deal. You know, twenty eight thousand views, and all it got was, uh, you know, ninety eight, which tells us something. That that's where the market is.
0: The market's not. I mean, there's tons of eyeballs. You know, like you said, this car isn't isn't uh, coveted yet. You know, possibly because it wasn't as fast as the twin turbo version that, that was the previous generation. But the chassis on these things are brilliant. They're usable. I mean, for ten grand, a beat on Canyon Carver car. I, I'm not sure you could beat it. I'm a little embarrassed because I just spent eleven thousand on a ninety Miata with thirty-five thousand miles. So this car, I, I was gonna watch it, but I was like, oh, what am I gonna do with it? But I mean, another example. Great deals out there. Um, and just for everybody out there, the the when we say number four, number three, number two, it's a condition rating. So number one in the Hagerty world is a spotless perfect the best in the world car very few are number one and then number two is you know a little bit of wear on that number one number three it has some definite definite warts Four, maybe some mismatched parts probably needs some body work and then number five is a parts car essentially do i have that right dave
1: well six is a parts car five is a a, a five is a yeah five is not a car you want to drive because the raccoons are going to come in and uh, (laughs) greet you when you get in there you know that sort of thing so
0: Oh my gosh, so many bargains out there. Okay, let's talk about the next one, which um, uh, I love that you pointed this out. Let's talk about it.
1: Another Bonham's car, uh, you know, at the, uh, uh, the uh, Drain Concour auction sale. 56C uh, type replica by Proteus. Um, they do a really good job at replicas. Uh, this is Proteus, a, yeah, sales. I mean, yes, they do. Yeah. And uh, this was a nice one. Uh, you know, took a gander at it, I really kind of liked it. Um, 173,600. So this is our only expensive car we're going to be talking about today, or really expensive car we're going to be talking about today. Um, they're able to do this because there's a proliferation of six-cylinder Jag engines and a six-cylinder Jag engine is what is used in these. So it's a 3.7, uh, uh, CC DOHC inline six-cylinder three twin choke, uh, Webers, Um, uh, you know, a nice, nice car to drive for, you know, your vintage driving fun. Uh, it is not a C-Type. It looks like a C-Type. They do a really, really nice job with it. If you're into this sort of thing, I think that was quite a buy.
0: I agree. I mean, an original C-Type, these were the 50s Jaguar racers. That is one of the cars that established the brand's, uh, you know, credibility in the performance world. I mean, a good C-Type, even without racing history, that's well into the millions, right? Absolutely. So you get these. I love the names that come up for these replicas or recreations. They call them tool room cars, whatever that means.
1: (laughs) That's that's like, you know, um, (laughs) I I know that's like we're not using computers to design things.
0: Oh, I see. Is that what it is? Okay, good. Uh, But Proteus is the one that's got a really good reputation for these. They it's not a fiberglass body. It's an aluminum bodywork, you know, crafted in the same company or same country that it came for. Dave, if you went to build one of these new today, I don't think you could do it for the what this car sold for. So I think at $173,600, um, I'm gonna go on a limb and say it's another bargain.
1: I'm uh, I'm gonna gonna go with you. All oh,
0: right? no way! Oh my gosh, I thought you were gonna shut me down for that.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. Not at
0: all. <laughs> yeah, they're beautiful. I wrote in an original when I was at the Jaguar factory, and um they're just thunderously visceral cars and uh they steer well. I I probably one of the most beautiful, attainable everything all of the sports racers from this the fifties. I mean, it's a great deal. I mean, have you ever owned one of something like this?
1: Uh never owned one. No. Um, you know, yeah, I agree with you. This is a great car to take uh, you know, vintage racing and uh and uh, they're Touring, great driver cars. Yeah a lot of fun.
0: A lot of fun. Okay, great. Uh moving on. Uh, this one you're gonna have to explain that the next one that you you saw sold. I don't know anything about these these Maseratis. Can you tell the the audience about it?
1: Okay, so this is a 1966 Maserati Mistral 4000. Now the 4000 is important because that's the big engine, and so that's the one you want on the uh, on the Mistral. And so, uh, uh, this is kind of a rare car because most of them were 3.7 or or less, and so um, you know it makes a big big difference on these. This car sold. At uh, Audrain as well for 107.5. Yeah, the interesting thing is that our that's below our number four. Our number four is 161. Wow. Our Concorde number one is 311, and our just good car is 205. So I think this was a buy. I know it happened to be bought by a dealer, so that's a pretty good sign that it was a buy. Um, and so you know, there we are. I don't see uh, I any
0: I, major warts in this car. Um, you know, you're a little more nope. knowledgeable. But, you know, if you think about how that price stacks up, just whether or not it's it's correct on the price guide for this Maserati, but it's a Frua body. Right. Tell us about Frua.
1: One of the Italian coach builders that has been around, had been around for a long, long time, a very famous coach building house. Uh, Maserati was probably the last company to use them in, in great numbers. Uh, it's a, it's an excellent, it, it actually looks very much like an AC from the same era, not the AC. Or casual, an interceptor, AC, yeah. Yeah, very similar, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, uh, they're kind of eclectic cars and it was the end of the six cylinder supercar. These were Weber carbureted or, um. Uh, uh, more, Much more likely from the factory, they'd be Lucas fuel injection on these things. And that's what this car has. And that's what it would be originally. So you know, five speed, ma- five speed manual. This was replaced by the Ghibli. Just, you know, so, you know,
0: I mean, w- w- what's I kind of think that the Lucas fuel injection may be a bit of a price suppressor let's put it that way i'd be afraid of owning that if it was just carburetors i'd be like oh this is awesome it's a very mechanical car i don't know anything about that lucas fuel injection and i bet very few people do
1: so i've got stories but uh, i'm not going to (laughs) get into it yeah it was uh in the 60s it was uh you know it was very very high tech and that meant that it didn't always work a lot of people have converted both the 3500 cars and the um, in the uh, Mistral's to uh, to uh, Weber carbs. So,
0: so a couple things jump out at this car. You know, it's got factory AC. Uh, we, don't, we don't know if it works really well or if it's very effective, but the big six-cylinder engine, so tons of torque, five-speed gearbox, so it's totally comfortable on modern highways, beautiful Italian body. I mean, it's a super, like, very usable, stylish, high-experience car right in that realm of between vintage and, like, too new and to be bland. So I know 100000 is still a lot of money, but in today's world, in the classic car world, it's kind of not. And you can't really get a new 911 for less than hundred grand. So I think this is an incredible buy for quite a charismatic car.
1: I agree, and a long-term hold as well because— uh... I think Maserati Star goes up and it goes down, but it's uh it's continuing to rise right now. So I think a lot of the vintage Maseratis, the uh you know the the kind of the pre-resurrection cars from the uh, early two thousands are are getting a lot more attention.
0: Oh man, okay. Uh, let's move on to this more modern car um, that I think this is not sold yet, but it's oh it did sell. Okay, sorry. It's, oh yeah, go ahead talk about yeah, it.
1: It sold. Cars and Beds, a 2012 Fiat 500 Abarth. I'm sorry, Abarth. Five-speed manual, turbo Mm four-cylinder. Okay, it's a Fiat. Let's get over it right now. It's a 2012 Fiat. It's got miles on it. La-da-da-da-da-da-da. At 7,400, this is like every kid's, uh, not every kid's, the oddball kid like me. Um, You know, it's their dream car. It's a fun car. It's point-and-shoot. It's uh you know, it has a lot of feel, a lot of uh, torque, a lot of uh, you know, uh, how do I put this nicely? A lot of low end um, uh, boy racer stuff. It's seventy four hundred dollars. I'm going to call it a buy.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on this one. Um, well, I, I guess I'm not. It's it's somewhere in between. To me, I'm like, yeah, it's about right. You know, it's um, it's it's a ten year old Fiat. It it was used. It looks like it was cared for pretty well um yeah and it it is fun i mean i think when you look at the broader used car market what can you get for 3500 that doesn't have one hundred twenty thousand miles on it there's almost nothing so just in that world it's a great deal and it's probably more fun so
1: hey i just wanted to give the the poor fiat a shout out i mean they haven't uh they haven't set the world on fire again after this late launch but i do remember the excitement surrounded the uh you know the uh the introduction of the uh, of the Abarth or Abarth, depending on who you are, uh, cars uh, around this time frame. It was a big deal that they came back and they came back with this uh, famous racing, you know, uh, tuner house uh, that uh, was it was kind of what everybody looked for in cars in the uh, in similar Fiat cars and a number of other uh, cars in the uh, 1960s. It was a big. Deal.
0: Yeah. If you like to drive, here's a stick shift. It's under 10 grand. Great deal. OK. Dave, thank you for all those. Let's move on. Uh, these are cars. We're going to go to our kicking tires segment. These are cars that are for sale right now. And uh, the first one on our list is a super interesting one. It's a 74 International Harvester Scout 2. It ends in five days. Um, huge price already. Dave, I the world is going crazy. We've been talking about deals. This is not a deal.
1: No, this is $28,000 so far. It's on Bring a Trailer. Um, this is, uh, you know, this has as much in common with, uh, you know, with the a, a 74 International Harvester Scout 2 as, uh, it, just as far as the body and chassis goes. I mean, everything's been modified on this thing. And so it's, a, uh, it's an urban assault vehicle. It's great colors. Uh, just wanted to shout it out that, uh, you know, this thing was out there. Uh, not everybody's, you know, uh, not everybody's cup of tea, but the alternative to the Bronco, the alternative to, uh, even a Blazer or, Uh, you know, FJ40 or whatever. This is out there for uh, for the for the person who wants to be exceedingly different in the uh, uh, in the four wheel drive crowd. I mean, the Scout has a
0: a really cool look to it, and oh yeah, to your point, it is different. I I, that just sounds like it's crazy money. It's of twenty eight grand. If we you know use the usual thing for these auctions, it's going to double between now when it closes, which means sixty seventy thousand. I mean I guess you could on the you could take out the, the other side is that there's so few scouts around right they all melted i mean they rusted into yes. nothing so Absolutely. this sort of value like do you have a sense of like what is if it was an all original 74 scout versus a 74 bronco which one's more valuable
1: the bronco because of the uh, the the much bigger appeal but the scout's coming up fast um you know i i don't think you know, there are not that many people out there who'd want a perfect international scout, but there are a few, oh, and uh, and so there's a, a wider market for the uh, for the brand.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's even a company now. Maybe you've heard of New Legend? They're out in yeah. Iowa. They they build really really nice resto modded um, scouts, and they've been around for a while. They actually do their own trips, and I was talking to guys there, and and they've got orders. They're busy years in advance. It's one of those where you can't really, um, you know, you got to get in line. So there's definitely some more interest on the international scout, but I hear you. It's not like it's a, uh, interesting to say, even though there's few of them, not that many people want them.
1: Well, the interesting also thing is, is that International Harvester Scouts were sold by International Harvester dealers, Mm -hmm. and the last time I looked, there's no IH dealer in Manhattan, nor was there ever. There's no IH dealer in any major city. They were rural vehicles mostly, and so uh, that limited it. But it also means that uh, that limited the number of people who buy it when it was new. But it also means that there's probably a lot of farmers' barns out there that still have IH Scouts that are. uh, Covered with uh, uh, hay and uh, whatever else, and so there's still more to pull out of the box. I get it. From I get it. I H Scouts.
0: All right, yeah. we'll see where that trades. Um, you know, maybe it's one of the few bucking the trend about these deals. Um, another weird car, interesting car on the Haggerty Marketplace. Tell us about this one, Dave, please.
1: Well, this is one that I actually had to look up because I you knew did? that these cars were. You didn't yes, know sir. it
0: off the top of your head.
1: Well, I can pronounce it, so that gives me something. <laughs> it is a 1962 Willy's Over, Willy's Overland Interlagos, and this is a Renault that was done under license by uh, Willy's Overland in Brazil. So it's a it's basically an A108, uh, also known as a Dynapin. I mean, in other other markets, uh, and it's a Michelotti designed body. I think um, you say
0: that m- Michel- Michelotto, right? Something like that.
1: Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. I say Michelotti, but then again, okay. you know, yeah. I'm, I, you know, born in America, damn it. Anyhow, um, uh, so, uh, pretty, uh, pretty kind of aqua blue color to it. Uh, you will never find another one, uh, you know, at your local show and shines. It's, uh, uh, it's got an asking price of $79,000, which, you know, for what you're getting doesn't seem unreasonable to me. Uh, but you know, once again, it's a, uh, it's kind of an oddball car, but, uh, uh you just never see them and here it is on the hagerty marketplace it's
0: so weird i mean it looks like it was redone you know you can see all the restoration photos speaking of restorations
1: sure uh i
0: mean the engine's in the back right
1: yeah 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 and
0: um you know it's got that radiator back there what a crazy little roadster i mean super fun i mean what do you a car like this that nobody knows what it is right and you know, to your point, you just made about the Bronco, where it's like enough people have to want them, like this sure. makes something like this, uh, to me, a little bit of a risky buy and hold. If that's what you're worried about,
1: I think this is a perfect candidate for the uh, Lane Auto Museum oh, yeah. in uh, in Nashville. <laughs> uh, you know, it's small enough that it fit in there. It's oddball yeah. enough, uh, you know, but it, it's. You know, it's a fun car and it's a reminder that not everything's a Ford, a Chrysler, a Chevy, a sure. Datsun, a, you know, a Toyota, all that sort of stuff. This one is, you know, is is a couple of different brands. I mean, you know, Willys is known for making trucks and Jeeps in our country. Overland, another great name from a long, long time ago. And then, you know, this this thing is uh, an Interlagos built in Brazil. I mean, it's a great story. So
0: weird. Okay. The next one is also on Hagerty Marketplace. It's in the classified section, not the auction. It's, it's listed for $13,900. Uh, a personal favorite of mine, these cars, 1988 Mitsubishi Starion ESI. And in all the run-up for, like, JDM cars, Supras, uh, 300CXs, Skylines, RX-7s, the Starion is completely forgotten for reasons yep. I don't understand. Do you?
1: Yeah. I mean, completely forgotten. I, I, you know, when I, when I looked at it, you know, you think 3000 GT, you think Mitsubishi 3000, you know, whatever. Oh, Starion was out there for a while. Um, it's a cool car. It's an 88. Uh, I don't think that's a bad price at all at thirteen nine, I think the price guide has a number one at 48 and a number, uh, oh. number four at 80 at 88. So it's, uh, it's, you know, low middle on that, but, uh, I think it's better than a number four. So it, uh, It seems to me to be a pretty, you know, uh, pretty reasonable asking price. I don't know where it's going to go. Of course, I haven't seen the car. There could be hair on it that I'm not aware of it, but that's okay. They're
0: super cool. It's rear drive. It's a 2.6 liter turbocharged four-cylinder with a five-speed manual. Interesting thing, too. You know, Mitsubishi are the ones that came up with these uh, devices called balance shafts. And they were weighted shafts in the block of big four cylinders that um, dampened out some of the vibration that a four cylinder uh, typically produces. The 944 Porsche licensed the technology for that car. So there's a lot of interesting thing in this car, but not it's not like overstuffed with tech like the later 3000. Flared fenders. I mean, super cool. It had steering wheel controls for the audio, by the way. Early car. Oh, yeah. So it has that sort of Japanese electronic wizardry, but an aggressive-looking German body. Rear-drive turbo. I, I, I mean, I don't know what to like. I've always wanted one of these. I, I've never come across one this nice, but I'd love it. Now's to. your chance. Maybe now's my chance. Yeah. So you don't think, yeah, I mean, so. I mean, 50 grand for a number one suggests that they are they're not as forgotten as I thought. I mean, there is a little fan base out there.
1: Yeah, uh, there's always a fan base on anything, uh, <laughs> you know, anything Japanese and sporty in yeah. in, in our world. Right. But uh, yeah, but it's a uh, you know, I like to call them explainer cars. You kind of have to explain to people what it yeah. is. Um, but you know, the Mitsubishi crowd knows about it, and and the JDM crowd knows about them. But uh, not everybody's going to know about it when you get to that uh, car show. You're
0: yeah. Going to. So the next JDM car we've got here, it's on for sale at uh, Bringer Trailer right now. It's a thirty thousand mile. 1988 Acura Integra type R. It's it's all, it's six days left in the auction and it's currently bid at forty two thousand. This is gonna get big money, I think.
1: Yeah, our number one is a ninety-three. 93 uh, so uh ninety-three thousand. Wow. So yeah. Um not that you don't see these cars, it's that you don't see them with that kind of low miles. I think that's the that's the big point on this one. Yeah, I mean,
0: um I think the trick for the type R is there was a model just below called the GSR. Now, the differences mm-hmm. from, I knew these were really built for racing very much like a Shelby Mustang was in the 60s, and they they do really, really successful in showroom stock endurance racing, the Type R was, and I knew from the people that raced them, they said, look, nobody understands how different this car is from a regular Integra. The body shell is different. They, they said like you, when you go to get parts, even though like the master cylinder for the brakes is different, you know, this was Honda really going that extra mile to make you know, one of the most, you know, highest performance front wheel drive sport compacts there were. The issue is, though, you really have to appreciate that difference because it's hard to feel it on the road, you know, right? It's like what, 10 more horsepower than a GSR? So what?
1: Yeah. You know, yeah.
0: But, you know, so much to like about this the 1.8 liter engine. It made 195 horsepower. This was Honda flexing its uh, powertrain muscles, you know, when they were dominating Formula One with McLaren's. Um, great cars um i i yeah I, so i i'm of two minds on one mind i'm like gosh these are expensive but on the other mind gosh they are really cool <laughs> so i don't know what to think about it but this one's going to get well oh,
1: they're they're expensive and cool you can leave it at that yeah. right
0: so and fun to drive but you know pretty noisy and anyway okay i'll leave that one and um we'll, we'll have to watch what it does the next one i'm i really interested to talk about thanks for bringing this one up Uh, just explain what it is, please.
1: All right. This is the 50th anniversary edition, 289 Shelby Cobra. Now, interestingly, this one is on Haggerty's marketplace right now. And, uh, let's see, where are we all in on this right now? It is a current bid of $51,000. We have a very recent sale of one of these as in last weekend. Wait, wait. There wait, one that... wait,
0: wait, tell us what one of these are. Why is this not just another Shelby Cobra?
1: Okay, car? so this is a CSX eight thousand serial number car. So the 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 CSX means that it is in this particular case uh, an actual Carroll Shelby car. These were done by Shelby Auto Manufacturing. So these are authorized continuation cars. Uh this car is listed as a 1962 obviously it was built a long time after 1962 because it is the 50th anniversary. Um there was one that sold just recently with more miles. This has uh, uh less than this this uh, the car that that is uh, that sold was CSX 8982 and it sold for 1792. Okay. So this is available at uh, you know, at auction at a right now at a fraction of that price.
0: Okay. I, I just want to talk about we've talked about this before. It's this 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 whole idea of continuation cars is endlessly fascinating to me. Because yep. I came of age in the automotive media environment in the nineties at car and driver when Brock Yates was there, Patrick Bedard and Chubb Chetta was there. And this was long before Carol Shelby was held up as a god,
1: right? Oh, sure. Back
0: then in the 90s, the 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 reputation was a uh, uh, hustler, snake oil salesman. Ca-
1: careful, careful. Yes, I
0: agree. I mean, I'm not saying he was or wasn't. I'm saying this is what I heard in the halls of car and driver all the time. And sure. I remember in the 80s that Carol said there was some story I don't remember exactly, but he said, hey, I found some leftover frames from the 60s and I'm going to c- build more. Cobras that are just like the 60s. So I guess he was trying to cash in. Do you remember that?
1: I certainly do. The found in the basement uh yes. yes. And
0: then in in the in all I heard was like, how ridiculous this is. I can't believe he's doing this. this. Just shows what he did. And then, and then every all these other manufacturers turned around, did the exact same thing, but took none of the heat. And what I mean by that is Jaguar does it, Aston Martin now sure. does it, Bentley yep. does it. We just saw like a tool room car. They're all doing it. But, like Shelby was vilified for it, and then I guess uh in twenty ten they did it again, right?
1: you know, Shelby was on top of everything else, a master marketeer uh, you know um you don't uh, you don't get to become a uh you know a world renowned race car driver by uh you know uh being a chicken farmer, and he knew that. And so he's gotten lot he had lots of um uh, of different things that he did in his lifetime, but the cobra was obviously you know and the and the automobiles were obviously the crowning achievement and you know he found a way to keep them going and uh like you said, the things that he got vilified for now every manufacturer wants to do <laughs> totally. themselves
0: yeah, well okay, so you know a friend of ours does a cobra only rally and um You know, they're very particular about what cars they uh, they want, original Cobras. So I I just texted them said, hey, is this legit? What did you think? And the answer was no. Kind of real is never real. Breast implants are not real. I was like, "Okay, okay.
1: All right. But but then again, how about if you bought this thing for 200 grand and you uh, you put a million dollars in your pocket? by not having a very, very similar car that was the real thing. So tribute car, replica, whatever, if you want to call it that. It was an authorized car. Yeah. So it's more than just a tribute or a replica. Sure. You can buy a $39,000 plastic-bodied Cobra anywhere. I mean, you can still find them, um, you know, with questionable build quality. But this is not that car.
0: I could debate this all day with you, Dave. I mean, I...
1: I know. No, I know. And I, I could take it. the other side, too. That's the interesting oh, you, thing. I could, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ab- absolutely. I mean, you know, I have Carol Shelby Show's stories as well. I mean, uh, you know, the guy was a real presence. He was, yeah. uh, you know, he's just, uh, you know, I mean... If if you were talking to and I I interviewed him twice, if you were talking to Carol Shelby, you know, you were nervous. Yeah, there's no doubt about nah, it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're you're talking to somebody who's been there, done that and had the ability to just say, you know, get the hell out of my way because he'd do it if he pissed him yeah, off. Yeah,
0: I was at a dinner in Dearborn um, and it was just before that they announced he had come back in the fold. And I remember I was sitting there with John Colletti. John Colletti, if everybody knows, he's the one who really we have to thank that the Mustang's still around. They were going to kill the Mustang for a front drive thing called the probe. And Colletti right. took a like a little skunk works in the basement after hours and he he got this team together to revamp the Mustang to make the SN95. He got the execs to buy off, and we still have the Mustang today. This is this is that John Colletti. And he kept saying, Do you see who's over there? And I was like, what is that? you know is that carol Sh- i was wet behind the ears idiot i'm like that's shelby right he's like yeah yeah do you know what this means i mean he was he was so excited dave like like and and sure. my, my point is coletti big personality accomplished guy and it was just like putting around carol shelby
1: oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm i'm all it's okay no, i sorry i it's a story for another day but i uh I was a guest at the, uh, the service they held for, uh, for, uh, Carol Shelby at the Peterson in Los Angeles. Yeah. And, uh, I have to tell you, talking to the people there, you know, the stories they all oh, had, yeah. uh, I did a, uh, a piece for the New York times and, and my interviewee was a Cobra guy, military guy, three days from being mustered out of the military. And he told me he was there on a wall no because way. Uh, seriously, uh because he uh uh it, it, Carol Shelby meant so much to him. And I actually I, I featured him in the in the article. So I had to call him and I said, Hey, are you okay? You know, you're you weren't authorized to be here. He said yes. Yeah, Sergeant said, you know, last three, four days he didn't care what he did, so he was okay. Wow. But I mean that was the type of power this guy was willing to go AWOL to um, to be at Shelby's funeral.
0: So uh the fact that this came from the Shelby company, which was owned by Carol. Um, right. So, does that make this in your mind more valuable than some of the other really well done replicas, like the Superformance? Super yes. It does. Okay.
1: Well, no. Now, now, you know, you 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 have to get into the parsing of all the all the different ones because. There are the ones that were literally plastic kits that had absolutely yeah. no affiliation with Shelby. And but Super Performance and 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 Factory Five and all those sort of things had kind of, you know, and I can't go into it here and they I know they had different licensing deals and they had different yeah, you know deals with, with Shelby. So but I like the fact this is a CSX eight thousand car. That's what boy have we spent a lot of time on this
0: car. Well, it it's a very interesting topic and it makes it oh, hard yeah. to value what this thing might be worth. And, um, you know, it's like I've always said, there's, there's uh, in the classic car community, is really fascinating because you want it to be like cut and dry and it's just the data and it's all about the numbers, but it's very much about perception. And, you know, what yeah. are the right people believe, yes or no? And, you know, there's, since there's such a proliferation of, like you said, these different Cobra looking cars of various quality and authenticity, it's diluted it to such a degree that a car like this just sort of gets lumped into, oh, it's a replica. But I think what we're...
1: Yeah, and it's a shame because, you know, like I said, not everybody can afford a million-dollar car. Yeah. Even if you can afford a $200,000 car, yeah. you're not going to, you know, not necessarily be able to to enjoy a million-dollar car. And I think the thing is that this car is built to be enjoyed. So, you know, that that's it.
0: I got it. Well, um, I, these are the kind of cars I love. You get all the experience at a tenth of the price. And uh, yeah. it seems like they they're... Your money feels safe in these things. You know, whatever they go for, 150, 200, it just seems to be about what they go for forever. Is that fair?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it, there's no major event we're waiting for because Carol Shelby's already passed. Right. So it's not like they're going to go up when, uh, when you know, when Shelby uh, kicks the bucket yeah. because that's already happened. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, but they're, they're simple cars that were, I think such a great representation of taking this very simple British car, putting a big American V8, and hauling ass. And that's what this car was about. And I think that that's uh, something to celebrate.
0: It'll be one for watching. And then on our final car that's still for sale, um, this was a – it's an 1,800-mile, another kind of like we call a wrapper car. It's a 2010 Chevy Camaro SS that was modified by a company called SLP, and they called it the ZL550. The bid right now is only 1250 so there's still 12 days left in this auction. Um, What did you want to talk about? Why, why did this car, what, what brought to mind?
1: You know, I haven't seen a street legal performance, that's SLP car, in a long, long time. And this is an 1,800-mile one, and uh, it's way, way, way cheap. I don't think anybody's taking a look at this one like they should. Uh, this one also on Haggerty Marketplace. Um, You know, I can't tell you what it's worth. I don't know what it's worth, but that's a lot of car for many, many, many times the price that's bid right now. So somebody ought to take a look at it. There's plenty of time to do that.
0: So uh, SLP was an interesting company. It was sort of like a, I mean, it's in this gray area between what you might call a full tuner shop, which is totally independent, and a factory option because uh, memory serves, Dave, in the 80s, there was SLP, ver- no, this would have been in the 90s, SLP versions of Camaros that you could buy from the dealer. like uh, And that was always a big deal. Yep. You could check an order box. There was some sort of like blessing, authenticity to it, right? Exactly. And that adds to the value in a historical sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. You mean when it's factory optioned?
1: Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, well, number one, it means that the factory authorized it and that's a big, Vetted big difference. Vetted it it's, it's, it's gone through their durability cycles to some degree. And uh,
0: so, okay. So interesting one. Yeah. You don't see these up that often. This one has a ton of supercharged over 600 horsepower, automatic transmission, you know, a a very pure representation of the retro style Camaro that, you know, came out right around 08, 09, 010. And um, just, I agree, this is going to be one of those to watch in that there could be a steal happening in front of our eyes.
1: Yeah, and when you said it was uh, twelve hundred and fifty, you should say it's twelve hundred and fifty dollars currently bid, not twelve thousand five hundred. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, this, thousand bucks. This, this car's this car's, you know, right now it's at pennies, pennies, pennies on the dollar, not dimes or nickels, but pennies.
0: Yeah, so go ahead and take a look. Well, it's been super interesting. Uh, there's still a lot of deals. Uh, like I said, I just bought that Miata, which I'm probably gonna hate myself for doing, but uh, and I'm selling. A Mustang GT that's going to be on the Haggerty Marketplace here soon, and maybe it's not the right time, but it's the right time for me. So that's the way it goes. Um, anything you'd like to add before we sign off?
1: Yeah, don't do be don't be like Larry. Uh, <laughs> don't uh, don't give don't give the Pater three grand and walk away.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll have to remember that. Okay, thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on No Reserve. Thanks much.